0: I'll take uh, what is a 1982 John Carpenter film for
1: 500 please. I read about how almond milk is very bad for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a um, bit nutty. Hello and welcome.
2: I'm Steve.
0: And I want to be a motherfucking hustler. You better ask somebody.
1: I have no idea how to follow that up. Go on, Steve.
2: And this is Forced with Tools, a podcast for the knowledgeable Keep Quest. Keep Quest. Keep Quest. quest.
0: <laughs> keep a quest. Will you keep, keep a, a quest? quest? Keep a guest. Keep <laughs> Keep a guest.
1: Keep Keep a guest. Keep a guest. Hyper
2: Hyperguest. Hyperguest. Inkeeper. Uh so gentlemen, how are we? What's everyone been up to? Uh Al, what have you been up to?
1: Um oh, so off.
0: after last, I think it was last week when we talked about the the powers of snow and how fantastic snow is yes um we had record snowfall in well at least we did in in west yorkshire anyway i don't i can't speak for the rest of the country um, we had none we had rain well there you go uh, yeah so we had um more snow than i've seen in well over a decade um and it was just spectacular like all the roads around me were blocked so there wasn't anyone going anywhere there wasn't any traffic um it was just pure heaven and it was there was no wind or anything at all. So, so there was like literally six inches of snow like on the telephone wires. Yeah. That's <laughs> so awesome. like just settled on like an infinitely narrow plane. <laughs> so everything had snow and it was amazing. Yeah. Um So it's just been a joy just living in that and going out and walking in that. Um, I so I don't remember, did we discuss uh, the no-dig bill? making the game for craftsman a few months ago yeah. yeah yeah i mean we we mentioned it because it had just started it just started it? yeah so i've been helping out just with doing some of the beta testing on that mm-hmm. um, nice. which is super nice seeing that to sort of come to life like seeing a game be made just in front of you is really yeah, interesting yeah. And, and just all the little tweaks and the little nuances that go into everything sort of like little details on sprites and and physics and stuff even though it's a really simple game a lot of thoughts going into every every facet of it which is which is really interesting yeah and um, so that's been super fun uh and then this weekend is the nfl divisional playoffs which uh, apologies to boring half the audience for non-sports fans but um and one third of the hosts and one third of the podcast <laughs> um but it's that time of year when uh the, the whole sort of nfl season comes to a head um two really good games yesterday um Seeing the Packers go through and the Bills was super exciting. And then tonight, straight after this, there's another two games. um, Take me into the early hours of the morning. Who's Uh, playing tonight? uh, It is the Browns are playing against the Chiefs. And then we've got um, the Bucks against the Saints, which is like uh, Brady against Breeze. So it'll be like two old boys probably in their last game together, to be (laughs) honest. Uh, sorry, yeah. we'll, talk, we'll go back to talking about the weather. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the reason I'm kind of talking about the NFL is because for the past 15 years, I've held a Super Bowl party with all my friends. Of course, um, yeah. And this will be the first time in, like, 15 years I've not had a Super Bowl party. So I'm Ooh. incredibly gutted, um, but also interested if anyone has any creative workarounds or ideas for, like, a remote party of any kind. Yeah. Um, whether that just be people getting drunk via a webcam, <laughs> or, <laughs> so, so or like uh, I don't know, like um, interactive cook-offs or something. I don't know. I, I just I just need something interesting to do um, in a few in a few weeks' time for the Super Bowl, which is uh, three weeks today. So, uh, any ideas? Oh, in, should, the, in the Facebook group,
2: you should do like a um, like the I like the interactive cook-off thing, but do like a um, I can't remember what they're fucking called, but like the random pot party where everyone brings oh yeah like a lot of food that's it potluck party um but get like whoever's involved get them all to cook it and then divide it into say there's six people involved divide it into like six tubs <laughs> and then post it out to everyone It'd be fucking amazing
1: be great if if three people received their stuff within its uh good yeah. <laughs> to eat date and then somebody else like two weeks later. Not okay. only did you not get to enjoy it, but now it's rancid. <laughs> given, given that um some people's treasure trade gifts haven't even arrived. I think yeah. <laughs> shipping
0: food.
2: <laughs> yeah might, might not be the best idea. Um but yeah no that's 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 sad. Mm. If it makes you really bad I, I just got like because uh last night was the wasale I basically just drank cider in the house on my own. And then
0: shouting at the tree. I mean, it's um, yeah, it's not even it's not even a a, a local tradition
1: of mine. And I was happy yeah. to just do the same,
0: <laughs> just in, in sort of solidarity. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah,
1: I um, love the idea of Steve just drinking cider and yelling at his table. <laughs> <made> <laughs> of wood. <It's> just...
2: yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, well, hopefully, like with any luck, at least my two apple trees will have a good harvest this year. Oh. If nothing mm-hmm. else. Um. Yeah. Okay, uh, Brett, you are next. What have you been up to, Brett?
1: Well, was that it for Al? I feel I like so. there's always more with him.
2: Yeah, no, it's been a long fucking week. Yeah.
1: Okay, great. <laughs> well, I finished the post-vice and swage block stand over the last few days, which was great. And admittedly, when I finished it and just kind of looked at what I had done, it was one of those moments... Uh, or a small reminder of a few years ago, there's no fucking way I would have been able to conceive let alone build something like that, which is great. It's always a good feeling. It's just welding a bunch of scrap from the scrap pile that we've accumulated and turning it into something very useful. And I didn't really draw anything out. I knew I needed to do two specific things, which was hold the swage block and hold the post vice and from there no maths. I just built in space, as it were. Uh, so, just really happy how it turned out. It I didn't even measure the space I was going to store it in in my tiny shop and it fit perfectly, which was just <laughs> fantastic. I was like, hey, look at that! It worked. Um, aside from that, uh, I've been editing the video for the last couple of days uh, and I've been using a Different camera, I, I won't say new, but new to me. I'm uh, I've been borrowing uh, Ben's old Sony, which is an A7, it's oh, it's not A7 II or anything like yeah. that, but it is it's quite the step up from yeah. my camera that I've been using for this long. And so, just dealing with file formats and things, Al, <clears throat> a single AVC HD packet contains everything as well as the mts reference files which i'm boring half the audience now but what it meant was when i loaded everything onto my computer there was just one unrecognizable file (laughs) it was just like i don't know what to do with this thing turns out premiere unpacks it and kind of does everything for you but it's it's a real ball egg so dealing with that a little bit i i figured out some workarounds which uh I'll do that on, let's say, the next video. I'll, I'll try the workaround so that I can have a little bit more play. I, the biggest thing is, I don't know how to. Uh, if I'm shooting multiple projects, I don't know how to pull one project out and separate it into its own situation because right now everything's just in the single container. I don't like that, uh, and it is completely unnecessary conversation for the podcast. But it's been a bit frustrating. <laughs> Uh, beyond that, I have been, uh, what else? There was something else of note. Oh, yeah. So I've been connecting with a few people through the grams, um, about my post vice. I had a little bit of a talk with you guys in the pre-show, but I I finally wirewilled it for the first time since I got it because we found it at a flea market in upstate New York, and I was pleasantly surprised to find out that not only do I know its birth year, I also know how much it weighs, which I didn't know 100%. <laughs> and after connecting with a couple of people who I'd never had chats with, I know the lineage, which we've talked about heritage and, and lineage before. And another little reminder on this one project that was meant to just be, you know, a kind of shop kit that I was building. Yeah, I feel like not only did I get a little bit of a win, out of building the thing and it works correctly, but also I get to learn a little bit more about my old kit that I've had in the shop for, or I've had possession of for now a couple of years. So it was it was kind of an enlightening week of like, hey, kind of impressed myself. <laughs> also, I learned some things. It's been it's been an okay week.
2: Nice. Yeah, that was
1: good, man. Uh,
2: I, on the other hand, have done uh, nothing particularly exciting. Um, it's it's just been another week of work. Um, obviously, last time I, uh, we recorded, we'd just finished building the, um, the pan pod uh, where we're going to move pan production to. Um, and because of uh, the way that lockdown's working and the fact they're all in different tiers and um, Al is uh, reluctant to be in the workshop the same time as the rest of us because he thinks we're uh, unclean. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, So what's generally happening at the moment is uh, me, Joe and Jimmy are in Tuesday to Friday um, and then Saturday, Sunday, the workshop is empty and Monday, Al goes in and does what Al does. Um, So I went in on Tuesday uh, to find that Al had drawn out exactly where he thought we should put all of the uh, stuff for pan production um, and... I then rang him up and said, I see you've uh, you've jotted down where you think everything should go. That's the worst idea I've ever seen. Um, and uh, yeah, so we had this lengthy discussion about that. And we realized that we were kind of going around in circles because it didn't really make much sense. Um, and it just so happened that he needed to swing into the workshop to drop off some bits anyway. So he was there for uh, like maybe an, uh, like half an hour um, that afternoon. Um, so when he was there, we kind of went through it and it was so much better actually both being in the space at the time. So we could say, right, well, what about putting this here and that there and, and everything else? Um, and we think we finally got kind of like the general gist of it laid out now. Um, but we're going to set it up for a single person use, um, with the idea being that when, even when we get a second pan production person in, we can, um, we've got the the option to expand it sort of thing um so that'd be really good because that means that i might be doing a little bit less uh pan production a little bit more actual blacksmithing again um, which would be super fun especially seeing as uh i don't know if this is public knowledge yet or not but al doesn't listen to the podcast so he won't know um but uh we've done obviously last year we did the knife of the month um and this year it might be changing to axe of the month um where we're going to be doing small batches of axes rather than um like one offs uh but it'll be um like a small batch of a unique design so it'll be you know, th- this month will be a particular axe and we'll produce four or five of them um next month we'll come up with a different style and do four or five of them um and I was quite keen for me and Joe to uh for both of us to actually be able to produce some axes to go into the um, the axe of the month thing as well. So it'd be super nice for me if I can produce an axe that Al thinks is worth or warrants actually being sold to paying customers. Um, that will be very high praise indeed. So mm-hmm. as well as that, that happens. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've just been kind of... Like today, uh, yesterday was a really nice day. I got to... I've had a shitload of artwork from... Friends and people that I've met on my travels that, uh, sorry, I don't know if you can hear Murphy's just started dreaming and he's just in the corner going, <laughs> woo, so, uh, Murph, shut up. Um, so yeah, I, uh, super excited about actually being able to get this stuff up on the wall and some of it has been there for like eight years. Um, so I've framed all that, I've got a couple of them already up on the wall. Um, and tomorrow I'm probably going to be hanging a load more stuff on walls and it's just. It's really nice because it's pieces that i would kind of forgotten that i would had. Um, so it's, it's like rediscovering a, a I was going to say a, a thing, but that's exactly what it is. But it was really nice rediscovering all this artwork that I brought and was really excited about when I first bought it. Um so yeah, that was good. And then today I've had kind of like the perfect Sunday. Um, it was really nice and chilled out. I made some delicious food, uh, some cornbread again. I've, I was going to say, I think I've perfected the my my cornbread recipe, but it's not my cornbread recipe. It's one I found on the internet, and it just works really well. But I've now got it in the right pan, and it's the right the right proportion of like crispy bits and gooey bits and nom, 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 num. num, num, num. Um, uh, and the
0: right pan, Steve.
2: And yes, and the right pan. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, it's 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 important because it was the last time I made it, it was a bit too thick, and it was not quite. It wasn't right but now it's it's perfect um uh what was your thing i was gonna say about today oh yeah and um lots of coffee well not lots of coffee but i've had some really nice coffee today um and part of that was because i tried out a new um cafetiere technique um which and i'm gonna try and say this without sounding like a pretentious dickhead i'm probably gonna fail um but there's a guy on youtube called james Hoffman who makes videos about coffee and i can't think of anything more hipster um especially when you see him as well uh, oh god
1: yeah right
2: <laughs> um but he he makes some really really nice um like some really enjoyable videos and um one of them he basically he bought every uh piece of coffee making equipment that ikea own uh, that ikea produced sorry and reviewed them and if you get a chance watch that video because it's really fucking hilarious watching him get so annoyed about a dripper um and uh yeah but part of that he was talking about this cafetiere technique that he uses or french press technique that he uses so i was like i'm gonna check that one out and see what that's about uh and tried it and yeah it produced a really nice cup of coffee um so I and then ended up watching some more of his videos uh, this afternoon, and one of them was uh, it was three mistakes that he made early in his career, um, and the first mistake was overvaluing knowledge, um, and he was saying like he he went out and he would buy every single book on coffee that he could find, like it doesn't didn't matter who it was by or what it was actually about if it was about coffee, he would go and buy it and, you know, he would focus all of his attention on that. He would focus really heavily on, like, you know, perfecting his latte art and doing this and doing that and blah, 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 blah. And rather than, like, zeroing in on the things that are actually important, it was just that splattergun approach of, I'm going to take on everything and I'll be really good in pub quizzes about coffee, but Phil can't really make a decent cup of coffee. And, uh, and I just thought it was a really interesting point, because I think it's, it's something that happens within this community as well, where people, they decide they want to try a new thing, whether it's, you know, fine woodwork or blacksmithing or uh, needlepoint or whatever. Um, and people have this habit of going out and they just take on as much information as possible, rather than thinking about not actually just where that information comes from, but the actual value of that information itself. And. Um, so rather than thinking about the the quality of the information, they just go out and get as much as, as of it as possible. And it's, um, I can't remember the fucking name of the, the, the weird curve thing where, you know, you think you know nothing, then you think you know everything, then you realize you know nothing again, and then you slowly come back up. Uh, what's that effect called? You both know it. I know you know it.
0: Learning curve?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> I know that fucking... Uh, <laughs> Andy McKenzie is going to be shouting at the thing because it's this... Is it the Dunn-Kruger effect?
0: Oh, the Dunning-Kruger.
2: That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See? Uh, yeah, I... I
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I knew you knew it. Um, but yeah, it's so... Thing, I didn't know if it was the correct level of knowledge
2: that we were No too much, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought it was... I've had too much coffee. Yeah. Um, the Dunning-Kruger effect, where I've completely lost my train of thought now. Um,
0: but yeah, so... I always get, it, I always get it mixed up with the Bader-Meinhof complex. <laughs> this is something completely different.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I always want to say it's the Doppler effect, and it's like, that's not even <laughs> vaguely similar. Um, but yeah, so this uh, this idea that people kind of go out and they're just like, right, I'm going to learn everything. And I mean, I I see that a lot in um, in the blacksmithing world, especially with, um, with people that, go watch a, a load of youtube videos and then they're like oh, i know everything about knife steel and blah 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 all this and so like, actually you don't need to do it like that you don't need to do this and that depends on this and this this thing where people go oh no you're doing that completely wrong because actually technically you're supposed to do it like this rah, 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 rah. um yeah. and it's the the kind of the gathering of knowledge but not of um experience i guess like and i don't necessarily mean like you have to spend x amount of hours at an anvil before you know anything i just mean as in um there's a big difference between reading something from a book and actually having that hands-on experience of how things work
0: for me uh, i think i think you're right to be wary of the word experience because that sounds like yeah you can only it's only valuable if you've done it yeah for a period of time for me it's the understanding part yes so you, yeah. so you can you can have the knowledge you can have all the knowledge in the world but if you don't understand yeah. it it's of little value yeah um, not just because you don't get it but it it's then really difficult to pass on that knowledge if you don't yeah. understand the why of it yeah um and and the millions of examples of that but like you you were kind of talking about um like a recipe for example
1: like
0: mm. right, online or a cookbook like i don't own many cookbooks like the only ones I do are ones that people have bought me um, yeah. and from experience like especially online recipes are just utter bullshit they're either yeah. lying and I don't know why anyone would ever lie in a recipe or they've never made the recipe before and I see this over and over again especially with like baking you can tell that somebody's not made that recipe, and that mm-hmm. with the ingredients that they're giving you, the techniques that they're giving you, because they'll, they'll be talking about like a smooth paste or a, the thickness of uh, double cream, and it's like there's absolutely <laughs> no way that those ingredients would ever get to that consistency. <laughs> you've Clearly, not made this recipe before, so I'm I'm very wary of that. But again, that's just yeah. through experience. Um, yeah. But one of the books I do own is um, Perfection by Heston Blumenthal. Yes. And I find his stuff like a bit theatrical and a bit over the top, but perfection is all about understanding specific techniques and then dialing them up to the max. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you can understand what makes a tomato flavor really tomatoey and rich, and the chemistry behind it, and the technique behind it, and the the, the specific temperatures involved to get to that, it's yeah. all very chemistry and science. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it takes it away from the romance of the culinary world. But then he learns all those things and then feeds them back into it. Yeah. So he knows exactly that if you if you cook a steak that way, it is going to be tastier. Yeah. Regardless of who tells you to flip it or to to cook it high or reverse sear it, you know all these. Yeah. Like you say, varying opinions on the internet. Yeah. If you actually understand why, it just removes ninety percent of that noise.
2: Exactly, and I think like if you understand that why something works like that, and whether that's down to the the chemical level or just a, a more broad overview of why something does that that means that you can tweak it to your particular tastes or your particular wants or needs or whatever um, i think far too people um they will latch on to this singular idea of like oh no it has to be done like this because that's the way it's done rather than going nah oh, well i understand why it's done like that but i want to slightly tweak it because i want a little bit more tomato and a little bit less steak so i'm going to do it like this and um yeah like i I think that that is the key is it's understanding the why and that's why when whenever we do the um the the classes i tend to spend a long time going through like right this is this is what we're going to do and this is why we do it like this there are Mm -hmm. other ways of doing it but we're doing it like this because of this um Mm -hmm. and that just
0: just as you talk, you talking about like um, hipsters and hipster coffee, yeah. I, I was with um Funnily enough, I was with Turdworks, Works actually. Um, oh, what a went we, a night out. Yeah, um, and we ended up in one of these like hipster beer bars, and <laughs> I I can't stand like the 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 IPA trend. It's yeah, just, it's just offensive to me. Um, and I was just like, I, I reluctantly went up to the bar and I was like, Do you have anything that's not like over hopped to death? Yeah. And and, and yeah. the guy was like, Why do you not like beer? And he was like, Really uh, he obviously like, mm. he'd obviously got all his information about yeah the, the the craft beer trend, which is all just heavily hopped IPAs. Yeah. And that's all it is, because it's really easy to make yeah. an IPA. So yeah. anyone can make IPA. So that's why a million craft breweries pop up and they, they all make IPAs because it's a really yeah. low risk beer to make. Yeah. Um there's not a coincidence. Um and it's like that's not the only thing that makes a beer taste <laughs> a beer. like you, yeah. you've got you've got the the grains that you're using you've got the 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 where the water's from you've got yeah. the yeast strain like more more than anything you've got the time that you do the different processes and the temperature are all yeah. fundamentals of beer And that's why every beer from every part of germany tastes different and every yeah. you know it's like um and so his his assumed knowledge level, and he was being really snooty about, it, and like talking down I, at me as if I, as if I, I didn't know hate beer. People well. Like that, he's like, "No, you you don't understand the fundamentals of beer. Yeah, you're you're, you're talking about the, the aftershave that people put on at the end. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> not not the actual thing that people have been yeah. making for five hundred years. Um, what a just, colossal knob! Yeah, but it, but that but that that like captured that whole idea of like, yeah, your 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 idea of knowledge is not knowledge; it's information.
2: Hmm. Yeah." And I think that's something that, that people really, uh, I, I think that's why I, I tend to kind of lean on the experience example, because it's it is so easy for people to say, oh, well, I read this article that says this, this, and this. And it's like, okay, that's great. I've, I've done that a thousand times. And I can tell you that's utter bullshit. Like it doesn't work like in a real world example. I mean, the, the, the amount of times that you'll see, um, say recipes and things like that, and recipes is a great example because I know for a fact, if something says cook f- for 25 minutes at 200 degrees, um, then actually in my oven, it's <laughs> half an hour on 220 degrees because my <laughs> oven's shit. Um, and I think like that. Yeah. And But if you if you have that experience, then it means your that that knowledge of like how this works and why this does that it means you know you can go into another kitchen and you can use mm. you, you can feel at home straight away because you know you it might not all be set up exactly how you are or how, how yours is but you can still um you can tweak it to that current um that current setup um it's like being able to go into someone else's workshop and be able to make stuff because it, it's that whole thing of like oh well if you do everything with a jig Then not that there's anything wrong with jigs. I fucking love jigs But if you're doing everything with a a jig and everything set up just to do that single process and you don't Understand it and you're not able to to tweak it then Yeah, it's it's problematic
1: (laughs) Well said, um, I think I think this is one of the uh, points that gets to me is the ability to go to somebody else's shop uh, because even when we're talking about recipes or, hell, Steve, knife makers and the science of knife making, mm-hmm. which is like baking to me because it's just so, it's regulated, right? <laughs> it's like this long, at this width, what's your material, yeah. whatever, all that stuff. The the thing that always frustrates me is having these chats where you're, you're trying to gain knowledge from people and they regurgitate all of this stuff that they've either read in articles or in books or whatever the media source that they're actually grabbing this information from, it's it's not that it's presented in a way that it's like, this is fact, this is the only way that it needs to be done. It's more, uh, there's no leniency for, well, I get that that's how you do it because you have an even heat kiln and scientific equipment that regulates all of this stuff one of the reasons I really like working with you guys or learning from the folks at the forge is you guys know enough of the classical techniques to be able to tell us the why Mm. we do things the way that we do. But I have seen you temper blades on a hot block of steel and also (laughs) in the oven. I've, I've seen you do quenches a few different ways. I've seen Alex drop the knife in the bucket. Like everybody (laughs) else, you know, like I I've gotten to, I've gotten to experience enough things uh, working with you or watching you guys where I know there's not one way to skin the cat. Yeah. You guys will tell me what is the kind of what is the best option based on what my available tools or equipment are. That's where I think the knowledge side of things come in, comes into play. Like Al was saying, where, (laughs) <laughs> you can feed me all of the information about how I need to temper steel and do all of these things. But if I don't have the exact thing you taught me on, I'm yeah. unable to do that. Or I, I may not have the uh I may not have the capabilities, you know, or, mm-hmm. or the trust in myself to recreate that in my own shop. So taking it away from the makery uh, situation of it, I want to know that that anything I learn, any kind of information that I learn that is meant to be put to use, I, I need to be able to do that outside of my bubble. Yeah. And and know that that carries forward through whatever aspect of my life I'm utilizing it for. If I see a recipe and I know how to bake a cake because I read this recipe and it was fucking wrong to begin with, I learn how to bake the cake in one oven using these ingredients. But if I'm not able to go to Al's, and go yeah i could make a cake and i mm. and i can't yeah well then i didn't learn anything mm. i i followed these steps and it wasn't correct to begin with and then i can't even take that to al's which technically has the same equipment or mm. equivalent exchange and make it work okay. i hate that it is super frustrating to me like al going to your shop uh, the first time when we were, me and Sophie, we were just kind of playing around inside. It was just like, right, I need to put a place for a skill saw on his drill press. And you're like, none of that matters. Yeah. <laughs> and you, we, I mean, the fucking joke has been made a hundred times over. But you, you looked at it as more like, it's a drill press. It'll work as a drill press no matter where it is. And I was like, but it has to work on this table. And you were kind of one of the first shops that I went into as I started to learn a little bit more about making in general. I was like, oh, yeah. It doesn't matter if the circular saw is (laughs) over there or over here. It still serves the purpose as a circular saw. And it's never where you want it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) if you want to cut
0: something that needs a hole on the left, chances are it's going to be on the right and you (laughs) you can't move it anyway.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, yeah, roundabout way of just saying I need to be able to take in knowledge for knowledge's sake so that I can put it to use. If it's just information, I do feel like it's just regurgitating. I've had enough talks with people about knife making or blacksmithing being not the most knowledgeable person in the room mm. and still hearing that from other people and just going, Oh fuck, I wish you would just, you're not even helping at this point, <laughs> but then I'm just a grump in the corner again. So,
0: so I was, I, was, um, I don't know if you've um, seen any of uh, average Joe's posts over the past couple of days, but he's basically the learning. Big to world. Yeah. It, made um, it made me super happy. Um, but at the same time, I was really nervous that he was going to start becoming a, everyone posts advice on Joe how to weld on these posts. And luckily it's not turned into that yet, but that is nine times out of 10 what happens on this, in these occasions is everyone, Oh, looks to me like you've not cleaned it properly. Looks to me like it's too cold. Looks to me like you're moving too fast. Look, you're regulated gas or whatever, you know, like it's, I could just see the conversations already happening. Um, and again, that's not going to help Joe because that's not, they're not the, the fundamentals mm. that when I weld I know that that's and, and generic advice around welding it's like you don't know what machine he's got do you know what I mean you don't know yeah. the type of steel he's welding yeah. you know so many variables that you can't just make assumptions of and I think Steve, to your point earlier about the, the internet and this kind of wall of knowledge that you get hit with the second you yeah. type in a letter in a, into a search engine it is. It's all just assumed, and it's all um, just jumping to conclusions. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think uh, just, just lastly on what what you're saying, Brett, a really interesting thing about um, like Alex throwing some in the quench bucket. <laughs> whereas if he was telling you, he'd be like, "Gently do it and go front to back, not side to side. You don't want to yep. put tension." And the the reason those kind of things arise and people have to say those things is because that is like the extreme, like. Yeah. You have to know the extreme of something, yeah, to then know where you can push the boundaries. Yeah, and it's like, oh, it's fine now. Like I, I can tell by the color of it that it's past the point where it's gonna crack. So I can I can throw it in the bucket. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and yeah. And, and then 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 you can save time. You can cut corners. You can have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Not everything is this like controlled, precise experiment every time because it would just life would just get boring if that was the case. Yeah. So I love the fact that if you know enough, you can then ignore it ignore
2: it it's that whole thing of like knowing the rules before you break them and i I think yeah like having that uh being able to 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 share like right this is the ideal this is how you would ideally do it um but actually it doesn't matter that much because you can do this and it's fine and all this but um but Like, I I really like, uh, Brett, what you were saying just now about the fact that you know, it is a lot of it is about being able to apply that knowledge in different situations, in different workshops, different spaces. Um, because, uh, the example that popped into my head was, um, the other day, um, uh, Jessie put up a post of her doing some smithing in your workshop, and it was just a quick video of her just hitting some steel and, like, left a message on her um uh on the actual post just i think i took the piss but because it's, it's jess um but what i didn't want to do is do what i was saying and leave a message on there saying oh well actually you're doing this wrong and you should do this but what i did because i know i know jess i, I know that i can say stuff to her i just dropped her a message and just said fucking great that you're doing that but just as a heads up, I notice you're doing this. When you could try doing that, you might find that this is happening if you're not doing this. And just like a few, just little tweaks to like basic uh, form and stuff like that. But not just saying, uh, you're not doing it right, do it like this. It was, if you're finding that this is happening, try doing it like this. And if you try swinging like this, then it might help with fatigue or this might happen. Cause it was the same thing uh, the when you were first getting into the smithing and you were doing the uh, the Kraken sword thing. I think it mm-hmm. was. And you said about the, uh, I got you using the ball peen and explained why to use the ball peen rather than the flat side of the hammer. And it was fucking great because it wasn't just a case of, oh, use that instead. It was, uh, if you use it, then it creates you know more pounds per inch and you get greater maneuverability and, and all of this. And it was fucking great seeing you like turn the hammer around in your hand, hit it a few times, fuck up because everyone fucks up the first time they use a ball peen the wrong way around, but then kind of go, Oh shit. I understand why you use this like this now. And I understand why you like this. And like, I think it, it's really good being able to pass on, uh, the the why rather than just the um the how I mean like even down to my um my nephew whenever I'm like doing stuff in the workshop with him and he um he's like oh I want to do this right well you want to do it like this but and I I would always ask him like why are we doing it like this why are we doing it like that nine times out of ten he's just going oh no I just want to hit stuff but like it's just kind of getting him to think about the why rather than just the, oh, well, I'm doing it like this because Steve said it's like this. And even to the mm-hmm. point, a couple of times, I've told him to do something that's wrong and just said, why Why do you think you're going to do it like that? And he'll kind of go, well, I don't I don't really understand. Right, so do you think you should do it then? Well, no. Right, okay, well, don't do it. Like, how do you think we should do it? And why do you think we should do it like that?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, I, I, I really like the idea of kind of asking why a lot.
1: Yes. Well, that takes me back to the game theory conversation that we had a mm-hmm. while back, you know, where it's been developing a product or or that mindset of pre- starting with the why rather than the how yeah. and what it is. Um, but what I was thinking about while you were speaking is this idea that um, even when Al is talking about people showing a recipe off on any of these cooking shows, I would say the majority of the time they've never done it before. Somebody developed it because or somebody developed the episode because they were like, Oh, this is trendy right now. We should do an episode on this. It doesn't matter if the person has ever made it before. They're going to present it as if they did because they need to be an authority within this show. One of the things that is most frustrating to me, having met some of the people that I have, um, you know, because of my situation with Jimmy and, uh, I don't know, the travel that we did. I feel like I got to meet a lot of really amazing people that have huge followings and are re- referred to or looked at as, you know, high tier professionals, very knowledgeable. Yeah. And I also have gotten to interact with some of those people kind of off stage a bit. Yeah. To the point where they very openly admit they've never done that thing before, they've never built yeah. that thing before. And, Maybe it's a tool they've never used before, and I think initially it was it was really frustrating to me to have these discussions with people and just go, "Wow!" But why is the entire game of of the YouTube space or social media to just go? Uh, I have a very large following, so I can't admit. That I've never done this before, or I can't play that up because then people won't see me as an authority. I'm yeah. meant to be teaching people. Like every video that I put out needs to be, I know what I'm talking about. You're here to learn from me and watch me. Even the channels that aren't quote unquote educational, you, you think about the DIY or like home reno channels or any of these, uh, any of these really successful channels where we may not know the people. I'm, I'm speaking yeah. specifically of our kind of outside of our circle. Um, I've seen some of these videos. It's like, there's no way that person knows what they're doing. Yeah. But the magic of editing and presenting themselves in such a way, because they're good enough at working the camera, you know, and and talking the talk, yeah. but not walking the walk. I get really frustrated by that because it is inherent that that's what social media is you know we we see what they want us to see and we are shown a very edited down version of what is a learning experience and i know we've referenced this before in talks where i want to see the learning experiences it's, it's why we had some chats about uh laura's videos when she was showing yeah projects that would uh, not work, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or they would fail. I want to know, I guess for my own sake, that that the people that I'm following or the people that I'm uh, looking at as a knowledge base or, or someone that I can be educated by really knows what the hell they're talking about. Hmm. And it's this idea that we all watch videos, we all take in this wall of information, as you said. We are presented with all of the stuff. These are the people that have figured out a way to parse the information down. They're they're good enough to put it together and and you know kind of put the Legos together to build the thing. But I don't know that there's the engineering behind it. The why, the the yeah. how did I do it, and can I do this without the other tools? I feel like I've watched some videos where it's like I'm going to show you how to make this thing. Oh, they've clearly never made that fucking thing before. Yeah, and not only that. They have a new tool sponsor and they have 15 tools they've never used before. And now they're going to show me how to make this thing. So I have uh, the the give and take with like, well, I want to see how it's made. Well, I'm not going to get a Festool case of 15, you know, tools (laughs) together. And they seem very specific to this project that's being done. So now, like, it just loses me along the way because I don't feel like I'm actually being presented with knowledge. I'm being presented with information and the wall of stuff but i have nothing to gain and it's not valuable for me to to give my time to that yeah and it's unfortunate that we're biased or i'm biased i'll put it totally on myself i'm i'm biased or jaded or whatever you know condescending thing term you want to give to me i I feed for knowledge and I am such a sponge, but I want to know it's coming from the right place. And I have made the mistake of really investing in, say, school or classes over the years or even just YouTube channels. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 this person has a lot of knowledge to offer or I'm going to be educated by this. And then I watch five or six videos and then realize that I totally went down a rabbit hole of nonsense. <laughs> and I've, I've really gained nothing from them other than possibly some background entertainment or some white noise. Yeah. And I don't need more of that shit in my life.
2: Yeah. I mean I I th- I really like like the way that you've you kind of put that because you see that with um uh, a lot with uh like vloggers where they're doing like it's always a fucking tiny house or you know a camper van that they're converting into a house to live in forever or whatever. And they're like we've never done this before but follow along with exactly what we're doing and people watch it. Not for inspiration, but they watch it as a how-to and they go, oh, well, if they, they've they done it like this, therefore I'm going to do it like this. Because people, um, there's this innate trust that if you're putting uh, information out on the internet, whether that's in a video or in a podcast or in a blog or whatever, people assume that you must know what you're talking about because you're on the TV. And, you know, th- this fucking magic rectangle that we're all staring at is... somehow qualifies you to, to know what you're talking about. And it's bullshit. Like most, like we, we, the amount of times we've said, we're all just dickheads in sheds. Like we don't know what we're talking about. Don't listen to what we say. Um, but there is this, uh, this thing, like I, uh, the example I'm thinking of is mostly with, um, like the amount of camera equipment reviews and, um, editing techniques and, and cinematography and stuff like that, that I've watched over the last couple
1: of years um it's such a ravine of nonsense
2: exactly and there's so much of it out there that is just utter horse piss and it's just people saying stuff because they're using the right words and they know what the general consensus is to the thing so they're just going to stick with the same opinion that everyone else has got and like there are there are people that i i watch for kind of entertainment value that do stuff like that. But there, there are one or two people that have fair, generally smaller channels. Um, but, and then, you know, their, their, their quality might not, I mean, there's one guy, I think it's Dave Keenan or something. Um, he's a English bloke that's got a little Spaniel that constantly appears on screen. And, um, I really enjoy his, uh, his product reviews because they're no bullshit. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat stuff. He says, yeah, this is really fucking good, but, It's a thousand pounds, and the one that's 300 quid does almost exactly the same thing, except it doesn't have this one little feature. So, unless it's that important to you, don't fucking bother. Like, it's not a, oh, well, this is better because it's more expensive thing. Like, that's why if I want a genuine film review, I go to Al because I'll be like, Al, what's this film like? And he go, go, shit. But everyone says it's brilliant. And I was like, fucking dog shit. Like, and, and that's what I love about Al's films, film reviews is they (laughs) are. Generally, Generally, Al's film Um, reviews.
0: But that in itself is relative because I'm I'm reviewing it from the point of view of will you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think this is one of the big like dangers of so much information at hand. Like, yeah, I remember back in the day when all the information that you could find was on a CD-ROM called Encarta.
1: Yeah, to put
0: the disk into a PC and search for the thing that you know. I want to find out about the nineteen sixty-two Olympics. Or I can remember know, when that was all. Sixty-two Olympic, um, and that was how you found out about that stuff. So you yeah. weren't bombarded with not only too much information, but also just like any source, like any any to to, to Brett's point, like any anyone can know anything now, apparently. Yeah. And that's really dangerous because, yeah. and I don't mean like freedom of information and, and people should be allowed to know stuff. I mean, people as sources of information is really dangerous. If you have no credentials, it's like the reason Wikipedia is kind of relatively trusted on the large part is because it's academic and it's, mm. it's audited and it's yeah, reviewed yeah. on a regular basis. You know, you can change the page on michael jackson for a short while for a laugh yeah but it's going to get changed back (laughs) yeah people actually want to uphold genuine information um Mm -hmm. so for me the biggest challenge is how does one determine what is valuable information and what is like useful knowledge yeah because I yeah i'm trying to find something out be it say like an electronics project and I'm totally winging it, and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm kind of just brute forcing it. And if I need help, I'll go and look online. Mm. And there'll be a hundred things online, and they're all doing different things. And some of them absolutely will not work. Some of them aren't even using the right thing. Some of them are bullshit. Some of them uh, have an English title, but the whole video is in Indian. You know, like ha- ha- without wasting hours and hours of time, how are you supposed to navigate that swathe? Mm of information and know what is the the valuable stuff
1: yeah i mean how, I think, how are we meant well, to do it i think there's i this is great this is great because sorry steve um i think it's really easy to be cynical or critical and i mean we've all been doing it on this but we're just referencing a lot of things that we don't like but this this question al of like how do we source our information better how do we you know, maybe help that uh, going forward with whatever kind of, I don't, I hate to use the word influence because it's gotten such shit connotation nowadays, but I would like to know that if I am offering information through any of my social media channels that I've sourced it from somebody that I trust, I've also vetted it on my own. And then very rarely will I try and share that information if I if I don't see it as absolute fact, provable, yeah, like almost scientific theory, right? I need to go through the entire scientific theory, the process <laughs> from hypothesis all the way to repeatability. And only then will I be able to go, yes, this is something I believe in, or this is something that I will uh, openly give informationally because I trust it. And I trust myself most of the time <laughs> but I am horrible. I'm, I'm horrible about having taken in tons and tons of information. And I cross wires all the time, right? I'll be in a random conversation with somebody uh, at the ranch and it will just veer off. And I'll go, oh my God, nope. Everything that I just said came from a movie because I, I totally <laughs> forgot that I saw that in a movie and not read it in a book, Yeah, which is an issue. So I try and vet it a little bit. Uh, I will say that one thing I'm trying to do, uh, since Al kind of asked this question, I told you guys that um, I'd I'd gotten some possible commissions for some knife work or stuff where I actually have to use hardenable steel. Um, Jeff Fader suggested a book, like a knife-making book, that's like a very standardized, I, I can't remember what the title of it is and I don't have it handy, but yes, it's knife engineering. Yeah. So it's just like super nerdy deep down to the science of steels yep. and everything like that and I'm eating it up. Even though I have no desire to be a full-time knife maker, it has so much more information about every type of steel, volumetric measurements, how grain structures work. All of this stuff is helpful to any kind of smithing or metalwork for me. Mm. And it's in a knife-making book. So for me, I would have never sought that out. Even yeah. though Jeff suggested it, and I see Jeff is really offering some good information. And he he points people in a pretty good direction, like listening to his podcast or even the guests that he bring on. Like, hey, this is somebody that I vetted. You should follow their stuff or, or reach out to them if you need some information. So I appreciate that Jeff's a bit of a fence, but I probably wouldn't have gotten this book on my own. Yeah, just did to kind of support and then also educate herself on it. And then I kind of took it from her to read it. And it's been super, super helpful. And it's yeah. just explaining a lot of things to me that even though people like you and, and Alex and Joe and a lot of the other Smiths, like there's only so much information that can be gained out of these social situations that we've yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of hung out during. And so, you can't really give me your full attention. Turns out I'm able to give this book my full attention, and it is just words on a page. So, they're there at my leisure to take in. And if I need to digest something a little bit more or like reread, there's always a little summary or or kind of a synopsis, you know, leading into it. So, it's done in such a way that is like, here is the science, here's the why, here's the insane. Details that go into this, and then at the very end of every chapter, it's just like right bullet points. I told you about this, this, and this. <laughs> Trying to remember yeah. that next chapter. I wish more conversations would go that way. Uh, I guess for just the pacing of how my brain works, but yeah. I'm now I'm now starting to realize the value in these vetted sources where there is somebody that wrote a book about all the science of knife-making and this super-engineering, nerdy approach to it. And that speaks to me more yeah. than going onto YouTube and going, how do I make a knife? There's going to yeah. be a th- tens of thousands of videos out there, and they're all going to be completely different.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, because my my kind of initial reaction to Al's question was basically that. Like, I, I go to people that I trust and say, I'm not sure about this thing. Do you know any more or do you know a, a place of information that I can trust? Um and I'm I'm very fortunate in the fact that I've got a lot of friends that have a lot of knowledge that are able to to point me at the right places. Like that that book is a perfect example. I remember when they uh they had the guy that wrote it on Knife Talk. It was a really interesting conversation. I uh I have every intention of buying the book at some point. Um but the same as you. Like I I'm I'm not a knife maker. I have no Desire to be a knife maker. I want to make the occasional one for friends and family and that's kind of it um and So for me like my It's kind of important for me to know the uh, Not the limit of my knowledge, but like what's relevant like there's no point in me buying that book and spending like three days just solidly reading it revising it going through and making sure that I know every single little thing in there because that's a lot of knowledge that generally isn't applicable for 99.9% of what i do it's
1: the occasional thing that
2: i might go oh actually that's that's quite a good point
1: um but interjecting within that book they even make it a point whoever the yeah, author yeah. was it's just like everything that i just told you in the last two paragraphs doesn't yeah. matter 99% of the time
2: exactly which is why i quite like the that that book in particular um but uh, but yeah like so I'm i in no hurry to get it, and I know that if I have any any queries, particularly with knife making beyond my current knowledge, I've got Joe on hand, and Joe knows plenty of shit. Like he is an encyclopedia of knowledge because it's something that that truly interests him. So he yeah you know, he makes an effort to go out and and find these sources and and read these things and discover that knowledge. Um, so I can kind of I can use him as my own personal Wikipedia. Um. And I don't have to sit and read through a book to, to get the the bit of information that I need. Because, let's like say, that that entire book, and I'm going to use like one or two bits from it. Whereas I could just ask Joe. And I think it's, like I say, I, I am going to get the book because I, it's a genuinely really interesting one. And I think it's, it's great that you're reading through it at the moment. Um, but that's a... Um, almost like a an enjoyment learning thing rather than a, I need to know this for what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the other things is a lot of people kind of think that uh, they need to know everything before they start working on a project. And, and you don't. Like most of the time, you most of what you learn, you learn whilst doing it. You figure out how to do that one thing and then you expand on from there. Like, you know, you don't learn how to cook a souffle for your first dish. You learn how to make a sandwich or fry an egg
0: or both of think, which are better than soufflés anyway. So, well, yeah, soufflés <laughs> are shit. The egg. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, you, you, you start with those simple basics and you build up and, and you get the knowledge as you need it. You think if it's that whole deal of like going, oh shit, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. There's too much to learn. I can't, I can't do it all. It's like, well, just baby steps, just little tiny baby steps, do a little bit at a time. And, and, And kind of build on it from there and expand your knowledge as and when you need it don't worry about getting everything in your head straight away because generally most of it isn't going to apply to what you're doing you only need to know the thing that's relevant to what you're doing and as long as you understand why that thing is relevant and why you're doing it that's all that matters
0: i I think the um the the relativity is really important yeah so like context and relativity because it, it all the knowledge in the world is irrelevant if you're doing something just specific or niche yeah, or yeah, yeah. or unique like if you're, if you're doing it yourself i mean people people will pass it off as instinct it's like it's not yeah. instinct you, you you just you've done it enough times that you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, it should, what it should sound like or what it should smell yeah. like or what, what it should look like um so instinct is just essentially experience and that is yeah knowledge Um but that information is is just it's it's back to school. Like, I, I, you know, I, I was I was studying maths and further maths and physics and all this stuff at school, and just all, the, the the amount of data you just bombarded with in information, which is never going to come back to you, and and is ne- and there's no context. It's like yeah, in twenty five years time, you, you are going to be working here doing this, and yeah. uh, the 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 latest te- technological trends are going to be this. It's like no one knew that. Nobody knew 25 years ago when I was studying at this that they were going to be on seven nanometer transistor <laughs> chips on yeah. processors in the year 2020. Like, th- yeah. th- that, you, you, there was no context to any of that. So, it, putting value on information when it's when it's um, not relative is really is a really difficult thing to do. Yeah, and so, so even like our advice now. Is almost like irrelevant because it's like the people listening their their circumstances are totally different, hmm. and and there needs to be some. And it's kind of it was hacking back to the question I was asking is like how do, how do you have that judgment? Like you guys are saying, oh, I just trust the guy. I trust I trust Chris Cash yeah, he yeah, yeah. Trust because trust. he knows what he's talking about. I trust person X. I don't trust <laughs> Chris. <laughs> 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 I, 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 bad, bad example, um, yeah. but. <laughs> Uh, you know, what if it's something that none of your friends know how to do, or you're yeah. you're mm-hmm. reaching out to a completely new source for information? Um, I'm finding that a real skill now is not necessarily disseminating that information or understanding it; it's judging it. Yeah, like the judging of information has now become like a real um, skill of mine, and it and, and that goes to like work. So at work, if I'm auditing something or researching a new client or a new project or something, and I have to learn about uh male incontinence pads for, for a brand I'm working <laughs> on is something I've never uh, known about I've I've got to go through a, an entire planet's worth of information yeah and and you know affects triage on it because I don't know what's right or wrong yeah so for me the, the main thing is like can I tell whether this is good knowledge or not good information
1: hmm. the, oh my god I just had this full-on flashback to school. Um, not university because it was everything leading up to that, but uh, test-taking ability. Like My sister, I'll, I'll just use myself and my sister as an example, but I was always good at taking tests because I was able to use deductive reasoning or what have you when you don't know the answer. So this is reminding me of... My sister was never good at taking tests because she was really great at digesting information and then knowing the answer. If she didn't know the answer because she hadn't studied it before, it hadn't been presented to her, she did not know how to figure out intuitively how to find the answer on said test, right? And that could expand out to real life, but in this very, very specific example... Uh, some of those tests were timed. You know, you had like two hours to finish this multi-choice test thing and yeah. it would take everybody constantly. You always, you take the entire time and you didn't answer 20 questions, which sucks because it's going to screw up your percentage on the test that doesn't mean anything in the end. I was really good. I would, I, I don't think I ever had a moment where I didn't finish a test. Because I was like looking at the clock or I had a watch on and I could deduce what was probably the correct answer based on like, oh, I know it's programmed in from a computer, but um, they're not gonna have three letter C answers in a row. So this one's gotta be different. So just out of four answers, I've got a 25% chance of getting it right. And even just being able to do that kind of thing, stops you or sorry it doesn't stop you right you could either attempt answering the question and have a 25 percent chance or not answer it at all because you are too afraid to fail i'm trying to make a bigger like metaphor analogy out of all of this thing but i don't like this uh this lack of ability that i'm noticing where I think it's very, very important to be judgmental, like you were saying, Al. How do you answer a question or how do you approach a problem that you don't know anything about and you don't have a direct line of contact to somebody that's more knowledgeable? Mm -hmm. So if you're figuring out male incontinence pads, I can only assume you can go on Google and look up some information about them. Good luck with all of your targeted ads going forward, because that's going to be hysterical. The the world of someone who works
0: in brand. (laughs) My target ads are a fucking nightmare.
1: Well, I don't think it was inherent to me or uh, sorry, apparent to me when I was younger, but now call it that very specific example you just brought up, but I got hit with like, holy shit one thing i feel like i developed over time was not problem solving for problem solving sake of like i need to make a chair i know how to make a chair i'm talking like i have no source and at the moment i need to make a decision hmm. it's not the paralysis by analysis i'm not trying to just like harp back on that it's it's the ability to keep moving forward making good judgment and and using deductive reasoning to move in a forward direction or in a positive direction yeah. when you lack information or a connection to a person that has that. I think that's such an important skill. And I, I'm not sure I know exactly how you can work on that kind of thing. Or just off the top of my head, I, I don't know how to like, oh, here's how you can work on that thing. You can feed yourself information to tell you how to deduce better. Seems counterintuitive. Like <laughs> go on I,
2: I think like I find this this uh is a really interesting thing and this harks back to my IT days because I can remember being sat in an interview and um I was told about it afterwards, but the guy that had gone in for the interview before me was asked the same question and gave a completely different answer. So the guy that had gone in before me was asked, um there's a uh there's a bit of the software that's broken. Like I'm gonna paraphrase massively there's a bit it's of the software down for the yeah <laughs> a bit of software that's broken um it's leaking public information uh, private information what do you do and um he was like right well yeah, you know, i'm going to go into this server and i'm going to try and do this i'm going to try and do that and if i can't find it here i'm going to do this and he went on for like 20 minutes about like how he was going to fix it um and not once did he say i'd ask for help or i stopped what was happening um I got asked the same question. Um, my answer was, oh, my, my, the first question I had is, is there a big red button? And they kind of went, what do you mean? And I was like, Is there a big red button I can press that contacts everyone? And they said, no. I was like, right, well, the first thing i do before this happens, I'd program in a big red button that I can hit, which actually, as it turns out, we made a physical big red button that sat in the sock office that we could hit, and it just paged everyone. It got used a lot. Um, <laughs> But uh, I said I would shut down that that server. Or if, if I knew where it was coming from, I'd shut down that server. If not, I would shut down everything because in an enterprise business, leaking private customer inf- information is a massive no-no. Um, so I'd, like, I'd shut down everything. I would page anyone that could help. And if uh, I didn't get a response, like, and whilst I'm waiting for a response, I would get on Google. And that that to them was the best answer I could give because it showed that, A, I was willing to admit that if I don't know the answer, I'm not arrogant enough to think to think that I'm going to find it on my own, but also that, um, that I was aware that Google exists. And for anyone that's ever worked in IT, that's 99% of your job is understanding how to ask Google the right question. And I think that's a really important thing, not just with Google, but in general, like it's It's understanding what your problem is and what your question is and being able to Google that or ask that question. Because like, Al, I can ask you, how do I fix my radio? And you'll go, "Uh, I don't know. Whereas if I say, this button isn't doing this thing, but everything else around it is, and I'm not quite sure if it's this. And you'll go, well, have you checked to see if the solder's come loose? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I'll try that. Like it's it's about understanding that you the information that you get back is
0: only as good as the question that you ask. Do you mean, do you mean the case is broken? Do you mean the L C D display yeah. is
1: broken? Do you mean the speakers are okay? Yeah. Exactly. Working.
0: yeah. And that detective is the right question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, um, well put. Yeah. That's exactly what right. you did. Steve, that just I'm replacing the word Google in your line of thinking with just communication in general to yeah. another person or whatever your source is where getting good at asking the right question. Yeah, we, We've talked about it before in my little like uh smart kids class, those red herring books that our teacher used to do. They used to be these deductive reasoning things and I was fucking ace at them and I love doing them, but it was because I knew the right question to ask. Yeah. I, I think I've, I think I've gotten worse. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get that, you know, sorted out. Um, and I think there are moments where I really do a bad job of asking the right question. Yeah. Which leads me to just talk in circles about a thing. Yeah. Like in, in Al shack, I'm going to keep bringing up this example of like, Hey Al, where do you want me to hang this to have the most utilized, uh, situation for you? And he's like, doesn't matter. Snap, yeah. like throws a screw <laughs> in the wall. I didn't ask the right question, which was, yeah. doesn't matter where I put this. No. Yeah. End of discussion. Yeah, I, I mean, mean
0: like, I just, in hindsight, the God, correct, it's so important. The correct question would have been, Al, what's your next project? Oh, right, yeah. I'm making um, a, a giant stone henge in the garden. Right. <laughs> well, it'd be really handy then if the, the circular yeah. saw is near the door, so yeah. that you could put on a, st- you know, um, yeah. yeah, that's
1: I've... more reflection of, of my workflow.
0: <laughs> um, I,
1: I love that. That could be the takeaway from all of this, or at least from my perspective it answers al's question really well how do you vet information or how do you do ai don't know how do you get more quality out of what you're looking for do a better job of understanding the question yeah and ask the right questions
2: yeah and i think that's it's a really important thing is asking the right question because it's so often that like you say people will uh sorry i just keep hitting my mic um it's so often people will ask a what they think of as a simple question because they have as much as people will go, like referring back to what you were saying earlier on about people assuming that someone else has the same tool the same welder the same whatever people when they're asking a question assume that people already know the specifics of the thing that they're asking so to bring up the example of the radio like i you know if i say oh my radio is not working i assume you know all of the things that i've tried and <laughs> what i've done Whereas if you qualify that information, that question with the the correct information, you can get a far better answer. Um, and again, it comes back to understand and un- understanding why you're asking this question.
0: I mean, to, uh, to, to, something yeah. as trivial as, as Google search terms. Yeah, is it's it, a I huge mean, it, thing. It, it, it's literally a job. You can you can yeah. be employed to know like SEO. Yeah. Um, and like I think one of the guys was asking for uh, adjustable feet. Like, where can I buy adjustable feet from this yeah. store? Like for furniture. What well, he doesn't
1: like his shoes.
0: <laughs> yeah, he needs some in- inserts. Um, and it was like, oh no, they're not called adjustable feet at that store. They're yeah. called um, twist legs or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just knowing that brings up all the correct search. And it's like, uh, I, I assumed that they'd be called that because that's what they're fucking called. Yeah. And Everywhere else on the planet, they call that. It's like no, because I know at that store. They're called this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh right, there they are. Yeah. And so it, it's it's almost like you need. Secondary knowledge to find out that knowledge. Yeah, like like yeah. For, forever at work, I'm asking, what do Americans call this? Because the bulk of the the search engine results will be the American answer to things, and yeah. it might not be the same thing for a UK. So if I'm trying to search products, brands, you know, really specific like SKUs, and it's like, oh, it's not called that in the states. Yeah, so having to know even though. In theory, we we're supposed to be speaking the same language. You're having to learn another language just to find stuff out on the internet.
1: Yeah, and
0: yeah, I, this I, just I, makes me think. Uh,
1: uh, I can't <laughs> see you, Steve, so I don't know when you're talking or if you raised your hand. That's not fair.
0: I, I can see you. Yeah, I just say hey, what, what? you not me?
1: <laughs> No, your uh, your webcam is just off for me right now. Oh, Sorry, right? I totally derailed this. Let me just throw this at you really quick, Steve. This is like someone coming to you and going. How do I make a knife? Yeah. That is the wrong question. Like are you asking how to forge the shape of a knife? Yeah. Or are you asking about heat treating? Like what the fuck do you really want to know? Yeah. How to make a knife is not a good question to ask any knowledgeable smith from my perspective. Like you don't That's the wrong question. Yeah. I I, it, I need to know what you're trying to learn or what you're trying to gain by asking me.
2: Exactly. And I mean it, it's one thing if if you came to me and said how do I make a knife? Whereas, if because I I you know I know that you have a, a shitload of knowledge already, so I can I can gloss over a lot of stuff. Whereas, if random woodworker A came up to me and said, "Steve, how do I make a knife?" then there's a whole load more stuff that needs to be explained. So, you know, you you have to qualify the 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 question, um, and it's it's such a, a mindfuck, and that's why like, I make a big deal out of the fact that when I was in IT, I did not know a huge amount of um, programming or anything like that. I was just really fucking good at Google. And that's why I was good in IT. And that's why Mm -hmm. I was good in my job as a go-between from the techie guys and the business guys, because I was able to explain stuff in a way that both of them would understand. Um, And this, again, comes back to one of our favorite subjects, which is language. And it's the language of how you ask a question and um, how that answer or how that is understood. And also the the language that the answer comes back in, because that can also explain a lot about um, whether the information is valuable. If the, the language comes back as, this is my opinion and my opinion is based in nothing other than the fact that I think I'm right, then it's probably not great information. Whereas if the language comes back and it's, well here, in my experience, this is what I have found, this is why this is like this, there might be other ways to do it, then generally that's probably going to be a pretty good answer. Um, And yeah, so basically what I'm saying is use language properly because language is spiffing. People that we think that are spiffing...
0: You've, you've had better,
2: yeah I know. But I was so fucking <laughs> close to uh, going to Spiffing so many times, I know. and Brett would just go. <laughs> Do you have an order?
0: It's the SBA.
2: SBA <laughs> that means I am first. Uh, so I'm gonna spiff someone that I, well I've got I've got a twofer. Um, so uh, this topic came from one of uh, James Hoffman's videos. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a, a spiff. He is a very hipster-esque looking coffee aficionado. Um loads of really good information. Uh potentially a little bit too much information there. Um, but he's he's quite good at saying this is actually a really interesting thing. But generally, if you're just making coffee at home and it's just for you, it doesn't really matter that much. Um so he's quite good at qualifying that information uh as to whether it's important or not and i mean this is like, this is going down a serious rabbit hole for coffee making and i'll be honest 99.999 of what i watch from his videos is pure like just interesting knowledge that i am never going to apply to anything um but it's just it I like the way he presents his videos. I like the information that's in there. Um, I pick up the occasional bit of uh actual technique. Um, and yeah, he's he, he looks a little bit like uh Alex. St- yeah, well, I was gonna say he looks a little bit like Alex Steele's older uncle. Um oh, it's no, the same the same <laughs> glasses and uh spiky hair and stuff. Um but yeah, he's he's someone that I quite enjoy watching on YouTube. I wouldn't necessarily want to go and have a pint with him. Um but yeah. Uh good good if you like that sort of thing. It's like I say for me, it's just quite a nice kind of I'm gonna sit down and put this on whilst I'm doing other things. Um the other one uh is uh what I was watching before the podcast came on, and that's life. No. No.
0: <laughs> Which no. is I'm, so I'm,
2: fucking weird.
0: I'm not vetoing this. <laughs>
2: Uh, the 19 reasons. Based on what we just
1: talked about and you're like feeding proper information out to people, you don't get to do this. Here's a good channel to go and watch.
2: Yeah. Uh, Life of Boris is so bad. It's fucking. I really enjoyed it. I, I just spent a long time giggling. Um, but yeah, uh, James Hoffman is, um, is good in my opinion. Um, so yeah, go, go check that out. Uh, Brett, you are next.
1: Steve's second channel just got fenced so hard.
2: <laughs> it's fucking perfect. That's why you have
1: three people here, because we were just like, no. <laughs> uh, All right. So I got suggested this channel by the YouTubes, and it's Russian. Funny enough, Steve. Yeah. Is it Life of Boris? No, it is <laughs> fucking not. Uh, it's, you know, I saw the thumbnails and I was like, oh, that kind of looks like that works or man at arms, you know, uh, Ilya and Matt. And we appreciate those guys and everything they're doing in the shop with Chris. It's great. And then I look at this I'm like, oh no, somebody's trying to steal or like clone their channel. That's a huge bummer. So I watched a video. Turns out they're very friendly with Matt and Ilya. And like yeah. they actually kind of work together. I don't, I don't know how much, like, insider can yeah. give away, but the channel's name is Bellifron or Bellerophon mm. Studio. Yeah. Um, a, a bunch of Russians in a cool forge with like a bunch of power hammers. They do things in what I can only say is a typical Russian fashion. Like, it's a lot of like down and dirty. There's welders hooked up to all kinds of stuff. It's the first time I saw, I actually messaged Ilya about this. I go, holy shit, they did electro etching using a MIG welder as the power source and the Uh, voltage regulator. And I was like, I never once thought about that before. When I did the (laughs) coins, I could have totally done that. And I went and bought two different battery boxes to try and do it. And neither of them really worked that well, but I could have just done it with our mig welder we had six mig welders they could have just borrowed one for a day never saw that before oh my god that is amazing they don't make it a point to go here's this very amazing thing that we came up with yep. they're like jovial russian guys they they put storyline into their builds uh the main guy is this big burly looking adorable teddy bear of a man who just moves steel and does cool work yep. um I've watched more than a handful of their videos now, uh, but I I don't think they're a huge, huge channel that it's been around a while, but like Ilya is on a few of the beginning uh, videos and they like check in with Matt, they've reposted somehow, they've reposted a couple of the That Works videos. So just like the world getting a little bit smaller, realizing that there's these connections, I've never even heard of this channel before, you know, a few days ago and now I've really fallen in love with it because they openly share information. The main guy clearly wants to tell you what he's doing. He tells you like what kind of steel it is, why they're moving things the way that they are. There is a lot of information being thrown at you, but I'm I will say that there's knowledge to be gained from watching a channel which is effectively another kind of gratuitous forge channel. We love them yeah. for the reasons that we do, but there's a difference in why, like I want to watch Ilya build a Japanese-style coal forge and tell me the entire process of why and how it works, versus just can I make a sword from the video game thing? Yeah, and he's lived in both worlds, but he's he's willing to give knowledge. So this Belefron, right? Belerophon. Sorry, I keep screwing yeah. it up. I, it's just been really enjoyable and I love that they don't take themselves too serious. If you really get into the nuance of it, like, you know, I have to turn my subtitles on and it's auto translated. So sometimes it's a little bit wonky with the auto translation, but he makes a point on a few of the videos to be like, guys, like w- we have sponsors, like, please watch our sponsors or, you know, they have these m- kind of personal moments of him going, this takes a lot of work to do and we need to support ourselves. So, you know, we. I hope you enjoy this and he has a little fun with the sponsorship reads or whatever. Yeah. I just think the approach to the channel as something that is kind of within the realm of channels that I would watch but seems like just unique and doing its own thing and it's got a good vibe about it. I don't know. I've really been enjoying it. I, I want more people to just Find out about it. It's not like they're a tiny, tiny channel, but they clearly, clearly very geared towards the Russian audience or yeah. Slavic speaking language. Um go check them out. Yeah. Super Good worth check. it. Yeah. 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 They did they did I, I, Blackbeard's I, I, Cutlass from the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. thing and they did a great job on it.
2: Yeah. Because I can remember them talking about it on one of the live streams that uh Matt Elia and, and Chris do at some point. And, uh, they were very, very, um, uh, they did fucking word positive about them, um, like the, the channel. And it's one that I've been meaning to check out for ages. So I may watch a couple tonight.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's genuinely fun, man. They're yeah. It's a good channel.
0: Good show. Uh, Alphonse, you are next. Yes. Talking of knowledge. Um, this is something that took me right back. So one of my favorite comedians uh, is Stuart Lee, and um, yes. in the late nineties, um, I don't know how he was allowed to do this, but on the BBC, which was one of four channels in the nineties in the UK <laughs> of national television, um, he had a, a like a, a live morning chat show. So like your generic like. Um, morning television really? shows yeah it was called this morning with richard not judy and it was a piss take of oh, richard shit, and judy. yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and it was stuart lee and uh richard herring and it was live every week on saturday morning on national television and the shit they got away with was ridiculous like yeah everything was full of innuendos and like swearing and they do the whole like do, are you for coffee joke and like, <laughs> everything was, like hiding swear words in other swear words and like um yeah documentaries about cocks and they'd just be like talking about cockfighting and it'd just be pictures of like tories um yeah. but it was it was a really good show but i don't remember this part but there was a segment every week called Histor's eye and it was about history um yeah. and it was two I see what you did. it was two pirate crows oh in the God. crow's nest of a boat and there were puppets in the crow's nest of a pirate ship, and they would explain history through the medium of bird-related puns. And each 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 week, it was like five minutes long, and it was the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I've just been religiously watching it over and over again for the past week because it's amazing. Um, and they just do like, uh, you know, this, this week will explain um, – you know this—the uh, Battle of Hastings or something—and yeah, no, they'll, they'll, they'll they'll go back in time, and it's like a proper kids' TV show, but it's just totally made up, and it's them two dicking around with these these two <laughs> Um But it's like really fun and really kind of like, you know, oh, that um, sounds so enjoyable, <laughs> in, innocently like um produced, and it was really fun. Uh So if you've got you know half an hour to spend, there's 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 a YouTube playlist with them all on. Um and it's just brilliant and there's so many bird puns that it's just it, it had me in stitches
2: <laughs> i've definitely just started the playlist <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it's pirate related so what's not yeah
2: end? yeah no that, that's a great shout i've watched it in
1: ages um
2: yeah no really remember how,
1: how we remember how we started the shanty talk thing guys yep exactly yep, yep. <laughs> Bring it back. I'm not. We did I'm a
0: first thing TikTok. <laughs> no. Not
2: at all. Yeah, no. Uh, that's a fucking great shout. Uh, anything with Stuart Lee is okay in my book. Um, cool. Uh, that was very high-pitched. Any other business? Uh, I got a couple of sections. Have you remembered the one from last week and the week before?
0: And possibly no. the week before? No, no. but they'll, they'll, they'll find their way through. <laughs> um. One of them is very specific. If you have Amazon Prime, uh, specifically (laughs) in the UK, but maybe elsewhere, uh, The Guardians is on Amazon Prime, which is Russia's answer to the Avengers. (laughs) And it's fucking glorious. Um, Watch the subtitled version if you can, not the dub, because the dub is horrific, as with most um, English dubs of content. But The Guardians is on Prime and it's amazing. If even just watch the trailer, and if that doesn't make you want to watch the film, then you are dead inside. <laughs> um, I can remember
2: watching the trailer fucking a, a year ago, maybe. A long, oh, it
0: was. It's been in production for like a decade, I think. So that, that yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, um, yeah. Watch that, uh, and then also keep your eyes peeled because coming up in a couple of weeks' time, um, there is the Virtual Craft Festival. So. Um, so some of the sort of maker community uh, are taking part in uh, uh, another kind of online get-together of makers. Um, it's the 30th of January um, from 10 in the morning UK time. So people like Heidi, JP, um, Jake, we've got Christopher Smith, um, Carl Jacobson. So I, I'm guessing there's quite a lot of kind of your traditional uh, dead arts, as it were, but um, <laughs> it looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and that's on the 30th, so you've got plenty of time to kind of put aside and get ready for that if you want to watch it. Nice. We'll put details cool. in the show so you can get the link and stuff for that.
2: Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, Brett, anything from Yo? I don't believe so. Uh, I have one other little bit. Um, this is quite short notice because by the time this comes out, you'll only have uh a week or so to get it in but um oh yeah i put out a uh post about um touch marks so uh one of the things that we're doing this year is al is putting out a, another book um more on that when he tells me i can actually talk about it um but it's a it's a blacksmithing book part of the section about it is going to be about um the uh, the tradition of touch marks and how a, a smith signs their work and the, the meanings behind it and everything um, And as part of that we are trying to get hold of as many touch marks as possible uh, so if you are a uh, a blacksmith of any description whether it's just you know knocking shit around in a homemade Solid fuel forge in your garden shed or whether you are a full-time professional um, or anywhere in between um, and you have a touch mark that you stamp your work with, um, send it into to us, uh, there are details of exactly the specifications for it, but it's basically just send out a, a high-res picture of a drawing of your touch mark into alex at alexpoleironwork.com, um, but if you go check out Alex's Instagram post, uh, all the information is on there. Um, and yeah, you you might end up in a, a book. Well, you will. If you send it in and it's a good enough quality image, you will end up in the book. Um, so yeah, do do that. And buy the book when it comes out. Um, cool. Unless there is anything else. The Raised eyebrows? Yes? No? Is that, was, was that something else? Or were you just raising your eyebrows to, to look funny? Okay. <laughs>
1: That's just what his face looks like, Steve. Don't do that. Exactly. Uh, It was a hand move.
2: Um, Cool. Uh, Right. In which case, uh, if you want to find us as individuals, you can find us on all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metaworks. You can find Brett at Spade 13 And you can find Al at Al's Hackshack.
0: Yes, you can.
2: There we go. Um, uh, You can also find us as a group at uh, ftptpodcast.com. Or on the internets, Fools with Tools, search for it. It's not difficult. Although, if you're going in if you're searching for Fools with Tools in on Facebook, go for the Fools with Tools group, not the Fools with Tools and Summers group that Andy McKenzie found <laughs> earlier this week. Um, not, not quite sure about that one. Um yeah, uh you'll get a much different response if you post. Um, your wood turnings on that group. Sure um, wood. You went about.
0: <laughs> um, you've gone about ten minutes without saying ninety nine point nine nine percent, Steve. I'm just wondering if you're right.
2: Uh, that's because this podcast is not ninety nine point nine 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 percent of me saying ninety nine point nine 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 percent. Right. We will see you in a week or so, maybe. Uh, we love you all, uh, especially you. You know who you are. Uh, we'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. bye. And just for Chris Cash? That's the thing.